This is With You in the Weeds. Do you ever find yourself stuck in between what you know to be true and what you actually experience? Or the difference between where you are and where you want to be? Well, if so, you're in the weeds. And like weeds, those tough places keep coming back. I'm Lynn Rausch. And I'm John Tennant. As counselors, Lynn and I deal with those weeds all the time. Together, we designed this podcast because we want to be with you in those weeds, kind of like God desires to be with us. Hmm. Now, that idea will change everything. So we hope you'll listen in and let us be with you in the weeds. Let's get started. Okay, today we're going to tackle managing difficult in-laws. In our previous episode, we talked about the roots of conflict with in-laws, and we had some throw mama from the train comments, and you had a funny story, Shay, and you're going to do a tiger story today about the mother-in-law. So just be listening for tigers. And Shay, welcome. (laughs) It's good to have you here. It's good to be here, John. And Lynn? Hey, John. How's it going? It's it's going great. And you guys have just been in Mexico over spring (laughs) break. Yeah? Yeah. We were down in Cancun. Yeah. For a few days. We yeah. celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. So, yay, that, congratulations yeah. to us. It's, yeah. And you guys went to Secrets. Secrets. That's yeah. right. No, and no we'll kids. Just, we'll no keep, kids in Secrets. We'll keep it secret. Mm. So, do, you, do you know what the secret of Secrets is? Tell me. The, in their fruity mixed drinks, they don't have alcohol. <laughs> 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 they're, they're really good. I mean, yeah. they almost taste like dessert, but the, like the mango tango. Yeah. It, it doesn't have alcohol. In fact, I was talking to an older gentleman, and he said, I, I've been so proud of myself all week, I haven't had a headache. And I'm like, it's because it, you're not drinking any alcohol. That's- <laughs> well, there's the secret, right? <laughs> that the is secrets. the secret. That's how they're making their money, yes. Did you think at all about your mother-in-law while you were down there? I did <laughs> not. I, I'm sure I probably prayed for her one day in uh, my right. early morning devotionals. But Sure, sure. <laughs> well, let's just dive in. And oh, uh, Lynn, kind of what are we going to do? Yeah, well, you know, we decided to include difficult in-laws in this Managing Difficult People series because, you know what, we simply get a lot of clients coming in, talking to us about, hey, I'm married now, but my in-laws or even my own parents seem to be intrusive, causing trouble, there's drama, there aren't healthy boundaries, and they really need us to coach them and help guide them through this difficult process. And so we really just want to normalize people with these episodes because the reality is, is that, you know, most of us had good parents, right? Um, And they gave us really good things in life. And maybe even our in-laws are good people and they've given us good things too. But yet we don't get everything that we need from our parents. And we certainly don't get everything that we need or ever would have wanted from our in-laws either. And so we just want to offer people some direction, some guidance, some categories to just help them manage the weeds of difficult in-laws. Yeah, I like to tell clients, look, everyone has a belly button, including your parents. And what we mean by that is everyone's imperfect. And even the most well-intentioned parents are going to miss something or throw in an ingredient that they'll regret later. Obviously, you can have some really difficult people, which we tackled in episode one. We won't get into here, but the the idea is we have to leave our parents 
And we grow up looking at them as like gods because they meet our every need. Um, but then we grow up and we have to go on to connect to our true father, um, God. And we come into marriage sometimes like looking for that person to be the completion of what our parents didn't give us. And so it's really important to leave. That was episode one. But Shay, you're going to say more about that. Yeah. <clears throat> so today we're going to introduce the idea of cleaving. So it's both. It's leaving and cleaving. And when you get married, this is so important. I mean, we, we find this biblically, Genesis 2. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 19. And uh, it, it, it's really foundational to have a, to create a good marriage relationship. Um, you, you have to leave. You have to cleave. The, the marriage relationship is the most important relationship that we have in our lives besides our relationship with God. Yeah, and so we're going to just look at three main points today around this topic because, as Shay said, you know, God's formula for a successful marriage partnership is to leave and cleave. So part one, we dealt with the leaving, and today we want to look at these three questions. First of all, what does it mean to cleave to your spouse? Because that's kind of an odd word. We don't hear that a lot. And then also, how do we still honor our parents as we leave in Cleve, because they're still going to play an important role in our lives even once we get married. And then lastly, we, we want to answer the question, how do we safeguard against difficult in-laws or maybe even your own parents who are causing trouble in your marriage? So guys, do you think we can tackle this today, this hairy topic? <laughs> It's hairy, just like lions are hairy. <laughs> lions and tigers. Just go ahead and just do the joke. Bears, oh my. Do, do the tiger joke. <laughs> okay, I, here, here it is. So you, so you go on a safari to Africa with your wife, okay, and you take along uh, your mother-in-law, your, your wife's mother, and uh, you're there with your hunting guide, and so you sleep all in a tent, and then the next morning everybody gets up, and you, you look out the opening of the tent, and you see out there that you're – your mother-in-law is in a standoff with a lion. They're staring at one another. And, and your wife goes, oh, my gosh, somebody's got to go out there and, and do something and, and save the situation. And, and so you just you stand there quietly and you look at the hunter thinking he's going to do something and you're both shaking your head. And, and finally, your wife says, no, somebody, really, you have to go do something. And, and eventually, the hunter looks out and he goes, look, that that lion got himself into that situation, he can get himself out. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about that in-law joke is it's my dad that told Shay the joke. So so no he, offense to mom. He's got a bunch of He those. has a lot of really good in-law jokes. So I guess you can just sort of laugh at yourself. Especially mother-in-law jokes. Mother-in-law yes. jokes, yeah. yeah. All right, uh -huh. so how do we cleave? You, my job is to talk about cleaving, and it's really kind of a simple concept. Um, I'm not going to go too long on it. Uh, it'd be kind of like, here, here's how you put your left shoe on and give me five minutes to explain it. It's really pretty simple. Um, it, the word is odd, though. Um, it really has two meanings. One is like a butcher cleaver where you split something, like you're cutting meat with a cleaver. But the other meaning to cleave, it's an older English term. It means to bond tightly together. Um, so that's really what we're talking about when you cleave. You're giving primary importance to your partner uh, psychologically, emotionally, socially. She or he, they become your main concern and 
your allegiance is primarily to them. You're bonded to them. So the, the essential things, you're going to consider your partner's thoughts, feelings, and preferences above uh, your parents or anyone else. Uh, this is the number one relationship in your life apart from God. Um, eventually, you're going to leave your partner, and in heaven, we won't be married. So even marriage is a temporary uh, dramatization of the kind of connection God wants to have with us. I told Lynn that I was going to be really friendly to her in heaven, even if we're not married. So just FYI. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> he said he'd wink at me in <laughs> heaven. You know, in fact, that's how I got her to marry me. I said, look, it's, you know, marriage is what, at most, you know, we could be married, what, for maybe 40, 50 years. Yeah, something sort of thing. Like But that. then I said, that's all you're committing to. It's not for the rest <laughs> of your life. That's all you're committing to. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. That's could a we, long time, though. Could, well, yeah, we both do weddings. Could we put <laughs> that into, like, the vows? Not a bad idea. That's, yeah. that's our theology working for us right there. Yeah, seriously. It's not the rest of your life. I mean, for all eternity, we're not going to be married. You know, and like renewal of vows, how some older couples will do that. Like, how about a vow ceremony, ceremony where you talk about, this is what I'm going to do in heaven. This is how I'm going <laughs> to treat you. <laughs> anyway, so you, your partner becomes your primary influence. Like, the other thing that's kind of essential is if your partner isn't comfortable with something, you have to step back, pause, ponder, and reflect on what they need. And the two of you need to really hammer it out until you come to a compromise. And the goal is unity uh, between you and your partner to facilitate oneness and intimacy. That's the whole picture and goal of marriage. You, your partner has to end up feeling like they matter. They're being taken into consideration. You're standing up for each other. Mm -hmm. That's so good, John. That's exactly right. You, you have a good story about you and Paula. It's a I fair you, story. Yeah, that I think you ought to share. Yeah, I'll just do this very quickly. Uh, Paula had been married before I married her. Um, and it was kind of a nasty deal where her husband um, left her after seven years. Uh, she put him through Harvard MBA school. Uh, they were childhood sweethearts. And about seven years in, he decided that Trixie at the office uh, mm. was a better deal mm. and essentially came home and just said, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. You know, oh. and, and she was like, well, hey, you know, like, let's go to get some counseling. And he just didn't want anything to do with that. So I inherited the, the hurt mm -hmm. that she incurred from that. And her family was also hurt by that. So I stepped into the picture and it wasn't really anything to do with me. I just happened to be playing that role that someone previously had played. And man, they really made a mess in the garage. So for about 15 years, there was some tension between me and her parents. And I'm not going to go into detail about that. But it was a 15-year process of me trying to figure out, like, how do I navigate this? And it was sort of like a, a cold war, if you will, where there was suspicion, uh, a bit of distrust, and not a lot of open conversation about it because it was really awkward. Uh, that finally, and, and I want to emphasize, it took 15 years to work through that. Mm -hmm. And it en ended up in a really good place. I love my mother-in-law and my father-in-law now. They're great. That's great. Um, but there was a specific time where 15 years in, uh, I had to look at her mother-in-law, not had to, I wanted to, but I came to the 
place of, I just want her to know I love her. And I yeah. remember we were sitting at an Italian restaurant and I reached over and I grabbed her hand and I said, Ruth, I know that we've had our tensions and I know it's not always been easy, uh, but I want you to know I love you. It was a really, really yeah. sweet moment. Well, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, as, as you shared that story with us, um, Paula sort of the hero of the story because she could have, you know, fostered those feelings of fear or resentment that her parents had towards you. But instead, she really stood up for you and made sure that they didn't come between the two of you as you worked to build the trust. She did. I, I want to say two things about that. And this is just God's grace. And I know a lot of people are not in this scenario. But her mother had the wisdom to not intrude, mm -hmm. to not make comments, to not stand on the sidelines and compare me uh, to Paula's first husband. And Paula gave her allegiance to me. Yeah. She was able mm -hmm. to hear me explain how awkward it was mm -hmm. and how I felt and the distrust that I thought was there. It angered me because I wasn't that guy and it felt unfair to me. Mm -hmm. But Paula was able to hear that and not hold it against me and not demand that I have some kind of specific relationship with her parents or mm -hmm. heal anything. Mm -hmm. She just let me have my own relationship with them. And mm -hmm. the mother, my mother-in-law, Ruth, didn't step in and intrude. So really, it's a, it's a story that's, that's really great. Uh, and not everyone's in that place. But that does illustrate kind of what it takes to mm -hmm. have your partner be like wed to you, bonded to you, and give you like the benefit of the doubt and recognize that, hey, you matter. And that's part of the cleaving. You that know? Is, exactly. That, that's a great illustration of that. Well, Shay, talk to us about honoring parents because we're talking a lot about leaving. We're talking about in-laws. We're joking. They're imperfect. They have belly buttons. They miss stuff. They add stuff that's hurtful. And it doesn't always shake out into a good place. The Bible does say to honor our parents. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it, it's a great question. How do we honor our parents once we get married? Or I would say this applies even as a single person, right? And once we leave home, um, what, what does God say our responsibilities are to our parents or maybe those who um, have raised us after we leave home and become adults? Well, uh, obviously, this is applicable to everyone because if you think about it, we're all someone's kid, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> or there was someone in our lives that acted as our parents. Um, but the Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians 6. He, he talks about um, this idea of how we're to relate to our parents. And he says, it says this, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Uh, we had that on a refrigerator uh, growing up, or as our kids were growing up. <laughs> didn't work. Didn't, <laughs> didn't work, by the it way. didn't work. Not by was, osmosis, it, Season 6-1 was front and center. But then it goes on, and it, it, it Paul says this. He says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on this earth. And so here God says, no matter how old we are, we're still to honor our parents. You know the problem I have with that? What? Who wants to live long on this earth? I mean, <laughs> anyway. 
<laughs> That's, that should be another episode, right? But, uh, but that command uh, to honor our parents might be a surprise because I think sometimes we think that once we leave home that our parents exist solely just so that we can blame them for how they raised <laughs> us and for all of our problems. We love to pass the buck and blame other people. Um, and usually that's our parents. But one of the ways I, I think that we move into adulthood and really maturity is by learning to honor our parents because it means that we're taking responsibility for our own lives as well as our relationship with them. And, and that's what this, res- this episode is really all about. Mm-hmm. And, and so to honor our parents, it, it's very important and, and it's really important to God. And so what does it mean to do that? And, and what does that maybe look like practically? Well, to honor our parents means to treat them with dignity and respect. It doesn't mean to obey them. Right. That, that's exactly right. Or love um, them or like them. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's really important because people get tied up into the feelings a lot. And it's really not a feeling position. It's a, it's a moral obligation. So you can feel like you don't like them. Maybe they don't give you a lot to like. Yeah. You don't have to like them. Um, you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I think people get really confused there. Yeah, obviously, we don't obey our parents like we did when we were kids. Um, in fact, that's not healthy. Uh, to stay under your parents' authority when you're an adult is, is, is really weird. Uh, let me just give you examples of why. Because, for example, what happens if you maybe be, say, and this is a common thing that we hear in the church, is you, someone becomes a Christian when they're in college, and, and your parents maybe think, well, that's crazy, and they want you to leave Christianity. Well, do you obey them or not? You know, that that's a good point, Shay, because you went through that yourself. Uh, Shay became a Christian in college through a campus ministry and then was called to the ministry. And when that happened, your mom was not very happy about that at all. You, I mean, I wasn't around at that time, but you've told me the story. She was pretty upset because you were headed to law school, and then your path completely changed when you decided to go into full-time ministry. And had you obeyed her, quote-unquote, you know, you wouldn't have ended up where you are today. Well, and bless her heart, there goes the money. <laughs> You're going into the ministry? <laughs> Look, if you're a lawyer, yeah. I'm gonna, you're, well, you're going to yeah. be able she to help me. Yeah. Yeah, she didn't sure. understand it. Yeah, she didn't understand. It was the day before law school started oh, uh, wow. that I decided not to go. And uh, that's a whole different story. But but, uh, but the point there, yeah, though, yeah. is you you chose to follow God's leading and authority in your life and not stay under her authority. Yeah, yeah. Or let me give you guys another example of how we can't obey our parents as adults, right? But, you know, when, when you get married and you have kids, um, often the, the, the grandparents, your mom or dad, they want to give um, parenting advice, right? Very often. And, <laughs> and so do Let's you, do a whole do you separate episode. Yes. Or not? You, you know, yeah. um, my mom, I, I, you know, loved her dearly, but she, every now and then, um, she would mention how she hated how Lynn and I would discipline our kids. And uh, so we would send Jack off to his room for doing something. And she thought, oh, my precious grandchild, dear little angel. That we were torturing and, yeah, our kids and, when we disciplined them. And this was coming from the same person who used to wash my mouth out with soap. 
I'm thinking you're being cruel. Are you, we're being cruel to our kids. What a brain warp. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, but you see, the, the point here is that the Bible frees us from being under the authority of our parents when we become adults. We don't have to obey, but we do have to still treat them with respect. We're called to honor our mother and father. Um, why? Well, like you said, John, it's not because they were always great parents. But God, in Paul, in that verse, says, so that it may go well with you. Um, see, I think there's a principle that God's favor and his blessing rests upon those who obey this command. Um, to honor, to respect our parents is a good thing. And uh, as I think about it, I want God's favor and blessing upon my life. And, well, I, I think Keller says it's like a moral order of the universe right. to recognize authority and to honor. Yeah. And, and so how do we practically do that? How, how do we practically honor our parents? Well, maybe for some of you, the, the process of honoring your parents begins by forgiving them of some of the ways that they've maybe hurt you in the past. Um, like you said, John, parents aren't perfect, and they can sin against their children. And as a result, we can be full of bitterness and resentment towards them. You know, Dan Allender says parents don't need compassion. They need forgiveness because they're sinners. Yeah. They need Jesus, just mm -hmm. like us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. When, when we truly understand the gospel, uh, we know how much God has forgiven us. And, and the more that hits home with us, then we begin this process of forgiving our parents of maybe ways that they've harmed us. Um, they're not perfect. And you know what? You won't be either. Um, you know, you, you have kids, you're, you're going to make m mistakes. I, I look back and I think what, one of my greatest regrets now is, I, is my kids are getting older and our last one's about ready to, to move out of the house. I look back and I, you know, I grieve over the way, way I've maybe sinned against my kids or things I've said in the past that have maybe hurt them. Um, but for maybe some of you, forgiving your parents is the first step in beginning to honor your parents. Now, I know that there are some who maybe grew up with parents who abused the office of being a parent, that they abused the trust that God gave them. Um, some parents are unstable and untrustworthy. And God doesn't say you have to trust them or admire them or even feel love for them. That, that might be impossible to do, but he still calls us to honor them. And maybe we do that by forgiving them. But most of us have probably grown up with good parents, and there are many ways, I think, that we can show them respect. You know, Shay, that's a really uh, important point, and what I think about is how much freedom that can bring someone, that I can honor my parents before the Lord mm -hmm. without admiring them or feeling good about stuff that they have or haven't done. Uh, it kind of frees me up to look at, well, there are parts of my parents that are flawed, but there are other parts that maybe are not so flawed that I can honor them for. So I think that brings a lot of freedom to someone. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a great comment. So how, how do we, what are some practical ways that we can maybe show them respect? Well, first of all, I, I think um, just, just communicating with them on a regular basis. Send so them that, a card. Yeah, send them a card, calling them on Sunday, the, you know, uh, or at least calling them on their birthdays and anniversaries, those kind of things. 
Um, secondly, I think it means asking them for their advice every now and then. Uh, you don't have to take it, but, but you can mm. listen to them. And you might find out, as Mark Twain once said, that um, how much you realize the sp- how much smarter your parents are as you get older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't it true? <laughs> Sometimes they have pretty good advice, believe it or not. Um, third, it might mean helping to support your parents when they get older if they they need your help. But But I think another important way to honor your parents is to respect their need to see themselves in you. Let me repeat that, to respect their need to see themselves in you. And, and, and I didn't come up with this. This is going back. I, I got this from Tim Keller, but I, I think it's profound. Uh, but I've noticed as a parent that, that whenever I hear something good uh, about my kids, you know, when a teacher at school compliments them for something they've done or for uh, their character, uh, when I hear that compliment, I, I think, you know what? They're just a chip off the old block. <laughs> yeah. You take some <laughs> or, credit for yeah, it. Do you take credit for it, or at mm-hmm. least they're a chip off Lynn's block. I, I don't know. But, but I, Keller points out that there's a need for parents to see themselves in their kids. What happens when your kids see you in themselves and they don't recognize that you're the one that gave it to them? Yeah, I think you you begin that to do that as you as you realize that. I think you you start to mature, right? As you get older, you begin to see maybe some not so good things, but also hopefully some good things that you can give them credit for. That that that's the point. Um, and and so I think it's important as you see good traits in your life that your parents instilled in you that that you can give them credit for that. Um, a really cool way to love them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's important to say things like, you know, mom and dad, one of the things I learned from the both of you is the importance of hard work and, and the value of education. And um, I really appreciate the sacrifices that you all have made for me over the years to enable me to, to get an education or, or things along those lines. If you um, can't come up with anything, you know, you can come up with something. Yeah. Like, Mom, I really, I think you did wipe my diaper when I was younger. That was great. Thank you so much. I mean, there are things that you can find exactly. that they've done somewhere along the line. Yeah, I, I knew that I was maturing and, and becoming an adult when I started to recognize all the sacrifices that, that my mom had made for me growing up and, and communicated my appreciation to her. And, and you know what, guys? Unless we're raised by Satan himself, we can all probably find something <laughs> in our parents that we can give them credit for. Be a devil, baby. In our lives. Um, so I, I hope you guys catch what I'm saying here. I hope that that makes sense. Respect their need to see themselves in you. And, and I don't know what that maybe is going to look like in our listeners' lives, but don't forget, life is short, and you have a limited time with your parents, and they're not going to be around forever. And so when that day comes for them, you, you don't want to be standing at their grave with regrets. Well, we're going to take this into another direction with Lynn when we come back, but we're going to take a break. We'll be right back in a jiffy, but we want to take a quick pause to say thank you. Thank you so much for listening in. If you like what you're hearing, think about texting this episode to a friend. And find us on Instagram at With You in the Weeds. 
Okay, so we're leaving cleaving honoring, but there still are difficult parents that we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. Lynn, take us into that. Yeah, I mean, I think all of this is so good. It's good for my heart to hear. And it is a great distinction that you've made that we need to learn how to honor our parents without having to obey them once we're in adulthood. Because honoring your parents doesn't mean that we tolerate bad behavior or we make an excuse for damaging or abusive behavior from our parents or our in-laws. And so that becomes really relevant when we try to tackle this whole issue of how do we now safeguard this marriage relationship that we've created against difficult in-laws or maybe your own parents who might be doing damage to your marriage. And so I just want to start out by saying here that truly quote-unquote toxic in-laws, we're looking at more than just like occasionally annoying or difficult people or just kind of minor conflicts or differences of opinion. You know, you may have in-laws that you differ politically, right? You may have um, in-laws where you parent very differently. You have very different parenting styles. Maybe you just don't have much in common with them. Maybe you just don't enjoy being around them. You wouldn't necessarily choose them to be your friends, right, unless you were related to them. But that in and of itself doesn't necessarily make them toxic. So I think when we say toxic or really difficult in-laws, we're talking about people who either overtly or covertly are assaulting the basic foundational boundaries of your marriage, and they're actively creating drama or conflict in your life that's really hurtful and really damaging. And I just want to give a few examples of what this might look like because, you know, this might be on a spectrum. And so I'm going to just list a few things that you might notice, and you can kind of decide for yourself if maybe this is the situation that you're in. Um, you know, here's an example. This, your, is, this is going to be fine. This will be fine. Yeah, yeah this is really My ears good are stuff. Shay's up. ears are perked up. He's going to take the in-law test right now and okay. see So see this is actually scored. kind of a test, right? Well, a little bit. It's sort of like a checklist, you okay. know, like how many of these do you notice in your relationship? So first of all, do your in-laws or parents pull you aside and speak privately to you in a very negative or critical manner? Or do they routinely give unsolicited comments that tear you down? Okay, so verbal criticism. Just number one. The second one might be, do your in-laws or parents show up unannounced, stay longer than is welcomed, and invade your space without asking permission? So this is like a boundary violation, right, of your home, your space. Um, the third one would be, do your in-laws or parents pressure you with unrealistic expectations about family gatherings, holidays, vacations, basically how your free time is going to be spent. And do they use guilt tripping or bribing in order to get your compliance? And this can be subtle. It, it, it can be subtle, but it is, I think, probably very common. Um, the next one. Can I would, just say I'm always open to a bribe, though? I'm always open to <laughs> Shay, talk. Nice. I'll take a bribe. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, so the next one would be, do your in-laws ask to borrow money, expect you to bail them out if they've made some bad financial decisions, or are they just generally overly dependent on you to have their emotional and social needs met? That's another big one. It is a big one. That we see mm -hmm. because parents often do try to live vicariously 
through their children. They and do. then and then the last one to consider is do your in-laws or parents pit you against your spouse or other members of the family through gossiping, lying, triangulation or just overall manipulation? These are things to look for. And I would say that if you've answered yes to let's just say two or more of these examples, you may have a toxic in-law situation hmm. on your hands. And dealing with this is going to take some concerted effort. I think in the last episode, I used the analogy of toxic relationships being like a piano that's out of tune, and it will continue to be out of tune until you actively make adjustments or changes and get it back in tune again. Yeah, that's good. So give us give us some examples, if you can, or rather principles of how to address these difficult in-law scenarios uh, or your own parents for that matter. Right. I think the very first one is just simply we have to grow into adults that are strong enough to oppose them. And what I mean by that is naturally we are all wired for connection with our parents. And the thing that we fear most is disconnection from our parents. But if you're maturing into adulthood and you're becoming your own person, you're starting to take responsibility for yourself, for your own life, and for your relationship with them. And the bottom line is you have to become an adult. Because as long as you continue to relate to your parents or your in-laws from that little kid part inside of you that's like, I have to have their approval, I have to have you know, connection with them, you're going to feel helpless you're going to feel powerless. You're not going to have that strength. And so this may take a lot of you like working on yourself, healing from things that have happened. Shay mentioned forgiveness, um, acknowledging your parents' imperfections. But ultimately, you want to move into your adult self so that you can confidently oppose them when necessary. So we just want to acknowledge that innately we do have a deep longing for connection with our parents, but what we have to do is individuate and figure out where do I stop and where do my parents start. It's hard to do, but it can be done. And I would say this is one of the main things that we work on with people in counseling, growing up into your adult self, who God created you to be, and begin to establish those boundaries and separate, really individuate from your parents. Yeah. You know, I, um, a lot of clients, and I know my mentality for a lot of my life has been this, like once I leave home and get married, I'm grown up now. I'm an adult. Well, what if you change that to a lifelong journey of growing up into being an adult that I'm 61 and I'm still not fully grown up. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't stop when you leave your parents, you're not like fully grown. You have to continue sure. to grow yeah. and mature. It's a lifelong process. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to work on being free of needing them to be happy with you and, mm. and just living under that, that burden. And, and sometimes you have to grieve the loss of the kind of parent or in-law that you wanted to have and didn't get. And, and so sometimes it just means accepting who they are mm -hmm. and, and realizing you can't change them. There's a lot of freedom that comes from that. Just accepting their limitations. They're never going to be perfect or what I want them to be or wanted them to be. So who are they really? 
And now you're in a position of adulting, like yeah. <laughs> learning to relate to them as an imperfect person just like you are. So you're always going to want that connection, but that connection has to shift from a childhood connection into an adult-to-adult -adult connection. Um, sometimes you have to clearly separate by putting clear boundaries in place. I do this with clients often. It's interesting. I get a surprised look most of the time when I say to a couple, hey, why don't you just tell your parents this Christmas, we're not going to either set of in-laws. We're going to stay in Columbia or wherever you might right, live. We're going right. to stay here and have our own Christmas. We just want to see what that feels like. Yeah. Their eyes get huge. Sure. Yeah. It's like I've asked them to, you know, fly up to the moon or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's really normal, like, to do things like that. Um, you know, my dad, example, uh, he was aging, and he became an unsafe driver. And he insisted on taking the kids for ice cream when my kids were little. My wife was really uncomfortable with it. And so we had to say, no, mm -hmm. we're not comfortable mm -hmm. with you driving my kids to get ice cream. And he was a fighter pilot in the Navy. So he took this position of, well, if I can fly a fighter, pilot, <laughs> if I can fly a jet, I can take the kids to Baskin Robbins. I can take to get ice cream. Like that was his kind of position. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. you couldn't tell him otherwise. But we just had to dig in yeah. and say, um, no, we're mm -hmm. not doing that. You can drive yourself anywhere you want. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe off a cliff, <laughs> like, because it got that bad at one point. I could tell you some hilarious stories, oh, but we are just not comfortable with this. We had to tolerate him being upset yes. mm -hmm. in and order to draw that you. boundary. Yeah. So there's your adulting part. Yeah, and adulting is hard. To the degree that you're able to manage your own difficult emotions around somebody being upset with you, yeah. and in this case, a parent, to that degree, you mm -hmm. will be able to put boundaries in place. Uh, if it's an addictive parent, um, not safe, let's say, to allow them to be around the grandkids. Maybe you say something like, hey, until you get sober, we're going to Zoom our visits with the grandkids. Mm -hmm. um, so really setting boundaries sometimes um, is very hard to do, but it's really required, like for healthiness it, to it, exist. It's it's required to protect your children. Yeah, yeah, and the marriage, you know. And I think we reference Henry Cloud a lot. Um, if you don't know about his website, boundaries.me. Excellent. He has so many courses, and he deals with these in-laws relationships, and really, you know, gives a lot of clarity around that. Um, one of the things I think about when it comes to boundaries um, in these contexts is just using the broken record technique. You know, you may need to state and restate a boundary over and over and over again. I think sometimes we think, well, I tried that. I did it once and it didn't work and they still did X, Y, or Z. No, this is repetitive. We, we restate this. I have a good friend of mine who um, in college, her mom kept calling her to talk poorly about her father. There was a lot of conflict in their relationship. And finally, my friend employed this broken record technique, and every time her mom called and started to rant and complain, my friend would say, Mom, I'm not talking with you about Dad, and if you keep talking about Dad, I'm going to hang up. And if her mom broke the boundary, my friend would follow through, and she would end the phone call. So as you can guess, at first, her mom went into, you know, guilt trip and manipulation and self-pity and pouting and all that. But eventually she got the message. You know, my friend didn't say it meanly. She said it firmly, but kindly and calmly. 
And eventually the behavior finally went extinct because over a period of time, mom finally learned, hey, I don't think I can keep talking to my daughter about her dad. Yeah, there's this thing called extinction burst in psychology where there's a pattern in place. And if you break that pattern, the person will insist on keeping that pattern because they're familiar with it. So they'll turn up the volume on it. And they'll do that until they finally realize, well, I guess this is really for real. And yeah, I, I need I'm to not going to get up. away with it anymore. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. if you put a boundary in place, just expect for things to get more rocky before they even out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and on a big picture um, level here, you, you hopefully get to the place in life where you don't need them to be anything for you, um, right? Because you realize that God is everything for you. Mm -hmm. Um, God becomes everything you ever needed. Um, Plus the safe people that he puts in your life to give you the stuff that you didn't get from your parents. Um, If that, you think, you know, if that can't be my parents, I can get that from other people. Or, uh, for example, when you were talking about addiction, John, you know, if, say, your father was an absent alcoholic, uh, one of the things hopefully you begin to realize about life is, you know, through Jesus, you now have a father in heaven who loves you and cares for you. And, and so many of us have to realize, even though maybe we didn't get the, the, the father we wanted here, this side of heaven, we, we do get him through, through the gospel, through Jesus. And, you know, oftentimes God does that through people who can give us those qualities in relationship that we were missing. Yeah. So he meets all of our needs, but sometimes he meets them, oftentimes he meets them through other people. That's exactly right. I've been fathered. I, my, we won't get into this, but I've had to collect fatherly attributes from lots of different men over my lifetime, and that's made up for the deficiencies. Yeah, I think there's been times in my life where I've had to realize, this has been so comforting to me, is just to realize, even though my my earthly father at times has let me down, and um, that that I have a now a heavenly father who, right, who, who loves us and cares for us and is going to take every, take care of every need that we have. Yeah. Lynn, give us some takeaways. We're all over the map, and it's a good <laughs> map and lots of stuff. But give us some takeaways. I just want to say the main takeaway that I want our listeners to have is that in order to deal with difficult in-laws or even parents that might be damaging your marriage, you need to have a unified front with your spouse. This is the key. So all the work that you're going to do to stand with your spouse, if you have parents or in-laws that are trying to invade your marriage— And it's a lot like parenting. Remember when kids would kind of go to mom and then go to dad and try to divide you? Whether you're dealing with a persuasive two-year-old or a persuasive 70-year-old mother-in-law, you need to have that unified front and stay together. I would also just say, you know, keep in mind what honoring is and what honoring isn't. You don't have to obey your parents once you're an adult. Next, I would just say, you know, we have to embrace the reality that we may not have perfect parents or difficult in-laws, and we have to work towards engaging with boundaries instead. And again, there's a lot of resources out there to help you figure out what those healthy boundaries are and how to enforce them. So I would just say, ultimately, if you're willing to work on this, it's going to prepare you to be a good in-law someday and ultimately pass on those healthy habits to your kids and get that piano tuned. And tune in to our next episode uh, for some more great stuff. And thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting us. 
in Great this to ministry. be here, John. This was fun. Thanks for letting us be with you in the weeds of life. We want this resource to bring you hope and to help bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Follow us on Instagram at With You in the Weeds. If you like what you're hearing, text the episode to a friend, like us, and leave a review. Until next time, remember, God is with you in the weeds.